What is up, guys? Welcome to a new episode of Comics Universe. My name is Dalton, bringing you back to Barry Allen. We're just going to dive straight into this one, into Jeff John's Blackest Night. So, a few months after this, they're standing at the grave of Bruce Wayne in Gotham City. Hal Jordan and Barry Allen, they reflect on Batman's death and how the hero community is avoiding linking Bruce Wayne to Batman. Now, this reflection turns to Hal and Barry looking at their own deaths, comparing the sadness that Barry's death engendered in others while Hal's death more produced anger. And Hal sums it up by telling Barry, I died a sinner and you died a saint. This conversation moves on to the world becoming more dangerous after Barry's death and observing that the deaths of Arthur Curry and Martian Manhunter cost the Justice League its heart and soul. Now, as they end up leaving the cemetery, Barry expresses hope that their dead comrades will be returned to them. Because they found their way back, why couldn't the others? And he specifically cites Batman, saying, If there's an escape, you can bet Batman's already planning on it. I'm sure he was. If Batman has a contingency for damn near everything, I'm sure he's got one for his own death. Now, recently, in a fight with the Black Lantern John Jones, he found a mysterious black residue at Bruce Wayne's grave. It was kind of a black form, like, coagulating, similar to blood, and it started corrupting him by decaying his skin and muscle during the fight against his former friend, who is intent on killing both Hal and Barry. Now, seeing how they both died, through the eyes of the Black Lanterns, he must return to that state to keep the universe in balance. After fighting off the undead Martian Manhunter, which is a really interesting story. The subsequent Black Lanterns that come with him, the Atom, Mira, Firestorm, and two of the Indigo tribe members, Barry, along with Wally and Bart, race across the globe to warn every other superhero community across the planet. You've got to read the Blackest Night storyline. I'm not doing it any kind of justice here, mainly because I'm only focusing on Barry Allen's like role here. Which, I mean, he had a, a decent role, but he's not anything insane here. Go pick up the, the trade uh, paperback, the graphic novel of Blackest Night and read it. It'll blow your mind. Jeff Johns does some incredible work here. Um, now, so, like I said, they're running across the globe to warn every superhero community on the planet about what's happening here. Now, his message is also inadvertently warns the rogues, who all realize that their deceased members would come after them, and they decide to strike first at Iron Heights Penitentiary. They're unaware, though, that Sam Scudder, the original Mirror Master, who is now a Black Lantern, is watching them. Now, while doing so, Barry ends up meeting a Black Lantern version of Professor Zoom for a brief battle, and the art here is amazing. Um, Barry decides to go to Gorilla City to seek aid from its ruler, Solovar, unaware that the Gorilla leader had been killed years before. So he finds the city being attacked, and Barry assumed that Gorilla Grodd had actually struck, only to be horrified to learn Solovar was now a Black Lantern. Everybody's a Black Lantern. Everybody's a Black Lantern. It's like Oprah giving out Black Lanterns. Their fight was shortened by Barry racing to Coast City. So after he stops at the city's memorial, where he witnesses the arrival of the Black Lantern's demonic lord Necron, and his disciples Scar and Black Hand, these guys are so good. This story is so good. You gotta go check it out. If you don't go buy the graphic novel, at least go look up Comics Explained on YouTube. He has 
very, very detailed videos about this story. And it's very long. I'm pretty sure it's multiple issues. He does such a better job than me because he focuses on the overall story and not just Barry Allen's story. Now, the Justice League, the Titans, Wally West, and Bart Allen all arrive to aid Barry Allen to take a stand against Necron. However, Necron reveals that all of the resurrected heroes are tied to him because he allowed them to rise again, and as such, they belong to him. So Necron then uses a series of black rings to turn Superman, Green Arrow, Bart Allen, and several others into Black Lanterns. Barry himself soon finds himself being targeted by a black ring and is forced to flee or risk joining the others as a Black Lantern. So when it was decided to deputize an individual for each Lantern Corps for 24 hours, the Flash was chosen as the deputy for the Blue Lantern Corps. Which is, if you've never watched Blue Lantern Flash, oh my god, this is so good. Now during the battle, Barry is forced to fight against his own grandson, Bart, who his ring detects is still alive, but would eventually die if he did not get free from the Black Ring very, very soon. Barry is shown to be very skilled with his ring in creating energy constructs based on his imagination, probably because of the understanding that he has being so close friends with Hal Jordan. Um, so he's able to create images of Bart as Impulse and Kid Flash against him in order to make him feel again and kind of realize who he is. Barry's plan almost works as Bart reacts to the images of his past and the constructs begin to attempt to take the Black Ring from him. Later is interrupted by the Black Lantern Professor Zoom and Solovar. Wally and Walker later join Barry to fight against them. The f oh, man. Let me tell you something. Blackest Night is probably one of my favorite stories in all of DC. And there's a lot of people that would it, like echo that sentiment because it's such a good story. Jeff Johns writes so good stuff. Jeff Johns' run on The Flash and Green Lantern, some of the best in comic history. And that's really not even debatable, to be honest with you. There are diehard Marvel fans out there that have read these stories that would tell you it's some of the best writing in comic history. Jeff Johns does such a great job. Alright, so this brings us into the dastardly death of the rogues. So, at this story, it takes its, its post of Blackest Night... And Barry kind of reintegrates himself into life in Central City. So he uses the guys that he was been that he's been in witness protection, and he returns to the police department's crime lab and returns to the streets as the Flash. So Barry Allen, finally back to normal. Now he's he's readjusting to his life as the Flash. A man appears out of thin air in the costume of the Flash, kind of rogue the Mirror Master, but he promptly dies on the street. Now when Barry arrives on the scene to investigate. He sees the man is neither original Mirror Master Sam Scudder or the current one, Evan McCulloch. Hearing of another portal appearing, Barry transforms into the Flash and runs over to investigate it. So when he arrives, he's got a group of people in costumes similar to the rogues. They call themselves the Renegades. They tell Barry that they're from the 25th century and that he's under arrest for murdering the Mirror Monarch. Barry tells the crew that he didn't kill anyone, to which their leader, Commander Cole, tells him, Not yet, but you will. And after a brief struggle, the Renegades retreat, but they accidentally destroy an apartment building in their jump back to the 25th century. Barry manages to save everyone in the building, and 
rebuilt the building in just a couple minutes. And so he goes to search for the true killer of Mirror Monarch, where he's attacked again by the Renegades, but only before Captain Boomerang shows up, now wielding explosive energy boomerangs. So Boomerang fights both the Flash and the Renegades, and then a confused Top, who is one of the Renegades, questions his own teammates on whether or not Barry Allen is the man they're looking for, pointing out that in their timeline, Captain Boomerang actually never showed up. So the Renegades finally corner Captain Boomerang, and when the rogues arrive with a giant mirror left by the previous Mirror Master, it says, this mirror says, in case the Flash returns, break the glass. And an all-out brawl ensues as the rogues battle the Renegades. This is a really interesting story that was actually not enjoyed by many Flash fans. That's why this story didn't last very long, and they they kind of use this as kind of like a uh, a bridge to Flashpoint. We're almost to Flashpoint, by the way. Very interesting story that is. Can't wait to talk about that. Meanwhile, the Flash is confronted by Top, who ends up warning him that the reason he will eventually kill Mirror Monarch is because of Iris's death which he claims will be caused when this giant mirror gets broken, releasing the Mirror Lords. So Top tells Barry that one of the Mirror Lords will possess Iris and take her away from him. Barry races over to stop the mirror from breaking with Top next to him. However, there is a white lantern entity reaches out to Captain Boomerang, telling him to throw the boomerang. So Boomerang responds by throwing dozens of boomerangs all around in every direction. One of them hits the glass and it starts to break. So Top tells the Flash to stop the Mirror Lords while he goes and protects Iris. So the Flash questions, this this doesn't make any sense, but Top throws him into the mirror and runs away. In the mirror, Flash is exposed to strange visions of his mother. Outside, the rogue Mirror Master tells the others that the mirror is actually a slow-acting poison, so they flee. Barry manages to escape the mirror, confused, and says, Where are the Mirror Lords? He's then arrested by the Renegades, who realize that this was all a setup by Top to frame the Flash for his own personal gain. Barry is transported to a 25th century courtroom, while Top confronts Iris. Barry escapes the courtroom and goes after Top, and Top ends up revealing that the reason for all of his crimes is because Barry had reopened a previously closed case. Barry felt that the person convicted was actually innocent, and the person who was actually guilty of the crime is one of Top's ancestors. Top ends up revealing that they do not allow anyone in the Renegades who have any ancestors with a criminal record. The Flash is able to beat Top and convict the right man for murder, letting the innocent man go who was sent to prison. After this, the 25th century court and the Renegades go over the facts, realizing that the Flash was right and that their entire record of history is wrong. So this one and Hot Pursuit the sequel are two of the least liked Barry Allen stories and I, I get the hate because it's not nearly as interesting or useful in terms of story or narrative as the others but we're going to go over it anyway because it leads right into Flashpoint so next story after the dastardly death of the rogues is Hot Pursuit this one's a little bit better it's a little bit longer. So, same morning, um, Barry Allen arrives late for work after having battled Gorilla Garod at the zoo. He's sent to investigate a potential homicide. The victim's prints and costume match those of one elongated kid. 
However, the body is that of a very old man, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The investigation causes Barry to miss a family picnic. That night, Barry calls his old colleague Patty Spivett, who if you watch the CW show, you know who that is. She's a very, very good investigator. However, the power suddenly goes out, and the crime lab is attacked by the mysterious villain Hot Pursuit. Changing into the flash, Barry chases him to the river. Here, Hot Pursuit reveals himself to be an alternate version of Barry. So Hot Pursuit explains that um, basically he came to New Earth to investigate a mysterious anomaly that could affect New Earth and all realities as well. And then Kid Flash rushes in front of him, explaining that he came to check on him since he didn't go to the family picnic. Now Hot Pursuit is interested in Bart and his connection to the Speed Force. Hot Pursuit explains that since Bart is from the future, he could cease to exist due to this anomaly that he's referring to. Barry offers to help Hot Pursuit, but Hot Pursuit just wants to work alone. Now, Hot Pursuit has a cosmic motorcycle, and this motorcycle somehow manages to pull the speed force out of Barry, and Barry falls to the ground. Bart catches up to him, and he automatically assumes that he's going to help Barry, but he refuses. Bart says that Barry is no better than Hot Pursuit, and then begins to question Barry's absence from the picnic even further, and says that the only reason Barry wasn't there is because Bart was there. So, family dispute. He then runs off. Later, back as Barry Allen, he is in his crime lab, analyzing some DNA that he pulled from Hot Pursuit. The analysis confirms that Hot Pursuit is Barry Allen. Soon after this, Patty Spivett walks in, and after a small reunion, Barry asks her to help with the case regarding the elongated kid. But she declines, and she says that she no longer works at the crime lab and can't get involved. So, Barry gets a call from David Singh. There's another body. David Singh, by the way. Um, if you've watched the CW show, you're very familiar with Captain Singh. Uh, if you don't, he is actually the head of the crime lab for Central City Police Department. So, he gets the call from David Singh. They have another dead body to investigate. Now, they go to the crime scene, and they notice that this body, like the elongated kid, looks very old. But his identity says that he's 30-year-old airman named Jay Nicol Nicolosi. Nicolosi? Nicolosi. Nicolosi. I don't know how to say it. Jay Nicolosi. I've never known how to say this name. Because, you know, there's a wallet on him, so that's how they got this information. Now, near the crime scene, they find a rut in the ground that looks like tire tracks. And then something in the distance gets their attention. It's a little boy who may have witnessed the crime. In the crime lab, Barry and Patty continue investigating this case. David Singh walks in, saying that the kid is now in child services and that he's okay, but they can't find his parents. And the kid isn't saying a word. In the front lobby, the kid's curled up in one of the chairs. So Patty tells Barry that he should talk to him and, you know, maybe see if he can make the kid feel more comfortable, get something out of him. But the kid leaps from his armchair and clings to Patty. So, once again, she says, no, I, I can't get involved. But Barry asks her again, and she eventually ends up breaking down, giving in, and she takes the boy down to the cafeteria for something to eat. So, once again, going back to the crime lab, Barry and a guy named James Forrest, they brainstorm on the tire tracks that were found at the scene of the crimes. They don't get very far, though, because Barry gets a text from Irish reading, Need you home, 911. So, naturally, Barry goes home as fast as he can, he finds his entire family in the living room. 
Iris says that they need to talk about how Barry's been going pretty much nonstop and why Barry wasn't at the picnic. And, you know, Barry has to kind of dig himself out of this hole. He explains that he's, he's been really busy and there's someone really dangerous on the loose. And Jay reminds him that every second counts and that he needs to slow down and actually live his life. Wally West then says that Barry taught him that same principle and Barry's just forgotten it. Iris then asks Bart Allen if there's anything that he wants to say. Bart declines, and Barry apologizes to him for being so distant. These family spats are so strange sometimes. Um, Bart jumps up from his seat and just wants to know why Barry can't be the person he's supposed to look up to and respect. He runs off, and Barry chases him. Next thing you know, Hot Pursuit rushes up. He rushes up to Bart on the street and grabs him. But before he can actually run off with him, Flash steps in his way, like I said earlier. Barry is tapped into the speed force in every way, so he's faster than everyone. He could see Hot Pursuit coming, and he knew what was going to happen. So he steps in the way. And at this point, Hot Pursuit explains that Bart is the anomaly, so he must be sent back to the future. So Flash and Hot Pursuit fight it out, and Hot Pursuit's club actually detects the anomaly. Hot Pursuit goes after the Anomaly, which is actually not Bart Allen. Flash and Kid Flash go with him. The Anomaly is, in fact, Professor Zoom, because it always is. He's attacking Patty. The Flash takes Patty to safety, and Patty reveals to him that Zoom transformed himself into that boy that the police found in Jay Nicolosi's murder scene. The Flash then returns and attacks Zoom. Hot Pursuit uses his stick to drain the Speed Force out of Zoom, and tells the Flash and Kid Flash to evacuate the building because the, as the Speed Force process ends, everything within 100 feet will age to dust. So Flash and Kid Flash evacuate the building, but Zoom ends up overcoming Hot Pursuit's club and then kills him. So the Flash and Kid Flash pursue Zoom to a park, but Zoom disguises himself as an old man, and the two heroes end up losing. The Flash and Kid Flash then check up on Hot Pursuit's empty suit, and the Flash reveals to Kid Flash that Eobard Thawne is the one that killed his mother. He still doesn't know that Eobard Thawne is actually his twin brother. In the police station, Barry checks on Patty, and she's okay, but she feels like she made a mistake coming back to Central City, and she revealed that when she worked as Barry's assistant, she actually had a crush on him. However, she felt that since he was so obsessed with his mother's case, that she had to stay back until Barry could close that chapter of his life. But when Barry finally became more open, he ended up falling in love with Iris. So it didn't work out. In that moment, Iris actually appears, and Patty ends up leaving, not wanting to have kind of an, like an awkward moment going on. So later, Barry and Iris are having a talk in the coffee house, Jitters, as you also see in the CW show. She's concerned, because he's turning into a workaholic once again. He explains that he grew out of that because he managed to stop blaming himself for his mother's death. However, with the revelation that Professor Zoom, one of his enemies, traveled through time and killed his mother, those feelings have come back. Iris says that he has friends and family and he can forgive himself for the actions of the enemy. It doesn't work that way, though. Later that day, Barry goes to leave flowers on his mother's grave and apologize for his part in her death. He then walks away as the day ends. Suddenly, 
Professor Zoom begins his plan to destroy the Flash, once and for all. And this leads us to Flashpoint. Uh, we made decent progress into Barry Allen's story. Um, next week, uh, uh, Andrew's going to be doing his thing. I'm, he hasn't decided what he's doing yet. He's been talking about maybe Cable, maybe Moon Knight. I'm not real sure yet, but should be something very interesting. Um, and then the week after that, we will be discussing the rest of Barry Allen's story leading up to Flashpoint. And then eventually we'll get into Flashpoint and uh, the New 52 and uh, DC Rebirth. So lots of interesting stuff coming up. I do appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate the feedback. Stop roasting me for not having watched all those old movies because as you can tell, instead of watching old movies, I was reading DC Comics. And it's probably going to stay that way to be completely honest with you. But um, Thanks again, guys, and uh, take it easy out there. Stay safe.